All right, so it's Todd Atkins, and I'm back with Miguel Iterate, um, MMA Conspiracy Hour. He also uh, works with a dog rescue we'll talk about a little bit, and uh, just at the end. And uh, before we start, I just want to thank our sponsor, Live to Fight Design. You can find them on Instagram at Live to Fight Design, and they make fight banners and gym banners. If you use my code, Todd Atkins, you get $20 off your order. Now... Miguel, we had talked earlier about Fury and Engano. I think you were a little bit on the fence before about maybe it happening. But now that it has happened, as as the subject of Francis, Francis winning versus the UFC or not, I assume this changes the dynamic of that conversation. So i just kind of like to hear your thoughts on a little bit of both of those. Francis getting the fight and then the change maybe of narrative of Francis winning versus Dana White in the UFC. Yeah, I think it's a silly narrative, you know, from the beginning, you know, the UFC wanted to paint that out, like, oh, he's in a no-win situation or he can't lose, and he, they had all their parrots out there. You know, that was sort of the company line, right, that he, he's not going to get a better deal than, than the one that he had here. And he turned around and did that. And, you know, with the PFL not being on the level of the UFC, that's where, you know, I still have, have to take a wait and see attitude. You know, the, I, like I said, we're a long way from seeing a PFL Africa, you know, and, and, and there's a very big difference between putting all their stakes into like one show in Nairobi or, uh, you know, I need something where you pick a, a, a big city there, you know, or is because PFL Africa to me implies, you know, eight shows a year in Africa. Or, you know, with 16 feet, you know, 16 shows feeding or PFL Africa has a, you know, has a philosophy that that, that it hints at. Right. So I, Nganu's PFL deal was good for Nganu because he sealed up, you know, 20 million. And he got himself two fights and that 20 million, I'm sure, made him feel very good. But signing to fight Tyson Fury, which I think is another guaranteed 20 million, right? But signing to fight Tyson Fury is the checkmate on this, this game. That was the biggest fight out there for anybody. Um, I don't know what type of, you know, defenses or, or, or what the UFC is going to say. At time, it looks like they let Ngannou walk away. But then even at some point during all this time, didn't Dana offer John Jones versus Tyson Fury? Didn't There wasn't there some type of almost like, ham-fisted controversy on the internet where, where where that was going on, stepping on the toes of, you know, if, if they had gotten under Tyson Fury's skin enough, keep in mind, Tyson Fury's the A side of anybody, right? So if they had gotten under his skin enough, maybe that was an attempt to take the match away from Ngannou as they saw it coming close. But I think Fury did the right thing. I think he's got what he wants because um, Ngannou's menacing. And he doesn't talk much. So the stage is his. And and now we get to watch the Tyson Fury show again. The caveat of all this is Tyson's had, had matches postponed. Has had matches fall apart for a variety of reasons. You know, he goes off the deep end. Hopefully he's, he's beyond that. Or, you know, guilty by association in some way, shape, or form. I think they'll avoid some of that being in Riyadh. But again, when it comes down to put, putting this thing on British television, I'm sure Tyson Fury is thinking that he's going to get his usual paycheck from the television rights. And, you know, that's that's actually, I believe, one of the things that cost him the last time Kinahan's name was brought up around him. So the fight has to happen. But right now it is signed and in motion. And, you know, it's months away, which is why I put that out there. Injury. You know, anything like that that causes a damper on this, it's got to happen. It's, it's on its way, but it's got to happen. And, and and sometimes, you know, fate steps in. Let me ask you this. I mean, it's likely Ngannou's not going to win this fight, barring some, he lands some haymaker, you know, out of nowhere. So if he loses the fight, then what It depends on what type of performance he puts on. 
And that's one of the things that's delicate about a match like this is that, you know, what part of it is, you know, the the assumption in fighting, especially to the casual fan that puts so much into like how amazing it is and, and the athletes and what they put themselves through. You kind of want to see guys go all out. I think you see even in the UFC when guys turn into, it turns into more of a slower boxing match. It's kind of a stalemate. The crowd lets you know. So if Nganu can do anything to look decent in this fight, then um, his star goes up. You know, like, for example, the Conor McGregor effect. McGregor managed to look good against Floyd. The stage was set pretty well. He showed what he, what you know, what he thought he could do. And, and, and Floyd just waited for him to gas and knocked him out. Now, we've seen Floyd much older go to Japan for exhibitions. Even, and, and there, you know, when, when somebody crosses Floyd, even now, Floyd's about five punches away from the knockout. He, he, he steps it up easy, and he knocks people out non-professionals in his exhibitions and things in his post-career, you know? So my firm belief is that Floyd probably could have been done with Connor if he had been going all out from the very beginning, but I don't think that was his goal. Now, it wasn't done to the point where I'll say he carried him or anything like that, but I think, you know, as an athlete, Floyd wanted to see what the other guy had, and, you know, once he started to see it, he was like, hey, you know, that's not much. I'm okay. And and then he proceeded to do what he did. Let's just let him gas himself out, gas himself out, you know, hit him with little shots and stuff, and eventually take him out. But like I said, if he puts his pedal to the metal, they, they're, he, he, Connor would never have been able to stay with him. So Ngannou's going to need that sort of effect. Tyson Fury is capable of either way, right? Like you, I, I think that the uh, gap in boxing skill here is so cavernous that Tyson Fury could probably knock him out in one or two rounds if, he, if, if that's what he set out to do with with all his uh, mustard. But at the same time, you, he, he enjoys the show. He likes to dance. This is his stage. And you can see him letting this drag on seven or eight rounds. And at that point, it's all going to depend on Ngannou. I don't know. You know, the condition's very different. Um, Nganu, you know, his condition is going to have to be refined for this, you know, because if by if 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 the Mayweather situation against McGregor goes through the the general scenario of letting him tire himself out to knock him out, Nganu isn't going to make it to the tenth. He'll be he'll be tired long before then if he's really trying. But if he if he's settled into throwing twelve or fifteen punches around. A, a looking for one big shot, you know, does he please the crowd enough? You know, so, I, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting fight. But the first thing I, I, I'm i going to want to see it, the first thing I'm going to be looking for is looking for signs that, you know, it's it's one of those things where they're not both trying to kill each other. They're trying to compete. And it's not, you know, the essence of fighting, really. But the, 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 there's the theatrics become a part of it there. Now, in his defense, you know, I think he expected to get a boxing match, so he's probably been training for this for a long time, you know, ever Almost. since ever since he was pretty much sure he was going to be done with the UFC. I think he left the UFC with the expectation of getting a boxing match, so I assume he's been training for this for quite a while. So I don't think he's uh, going to necessarily be in the same situation as McGregor. I don't, I don't remember how long McGregor had to train for that Floyd fight, but... McGregor's at, at his weight is, I, I I don't know. I think that he's able to capture a little more of a while. I'm not I'm not enamored of heavyweights in terms of the skills they show. Mm -hmm. They tend to rely on power and things. And McGregor did show some boxing sophistication. It came back, and in MMA, it's his boxing has been you know above everybody else in precision and things like that. That that's kept him going. So uh, I think he put in decent work, and I think he had an a. Uh, uh, an opponent that wasn't worried about him. So the opponent also has a radar for money there and stuff like that. Money Mayweather, 
um, also enjoyed that big stage, and he was very happy with with the performance, the money he made, and everything like that. So you, you're not going to get anything there. But was he ever in danger? Is the question. Yeah. So again, will Ngannou put Tyson Fury in danger? It, it could happen because maybe you know, with one punch, that happens. You know, and then Fury gets up. Maybe if he can, can't get up, he can't get up. But if he gets up and then finishes him. Uh, you know, you've got something memorable and something that was probably good for both of them. You know, so I I, I don't know. I don't know how it goes. But I will tell you this. Uh, Montel Griffin, the boxing guy that was the first guy to beat Roy Jones. Okay, his father was uh, a teacher, uh, one of the coaches for the U.S. Olympic team, Muhammad Ali. You know, so those guys... That those era of teams through Sugar Ray Leonard through the, the that era of teams in the seventies, the sixties and seventies. Montel grew up around those guys, and at some point, he learned to box and he learned the footwork when he was. So my point with Montel is he learned to box when he was five or six years old. When his father passed away, he stopped boxing. He made a promise to his mom, I think, that he wasn't going to box, but then came back to it in his teens. And in his teens, he realized he still knew it from when he was six years old. The footwork, he was more advanced than, than, than he thought because it stuck with him. Tyson Fury strikes me as that type of pedigree. His, his, his father fought. They live and breathe this stuff. And Ghana isn't going to catch up to Tyson Fury. So, you know, I, that's, I don't think that's an option. That The one thing that will not happen when this happens is that Nganu comes out and outboxes him. <laughs> but let me ask you this. I mean, if he does get beat soundly, which if Tyson Fury wins, that's probably what would happen at some point. What does he do with PFL after that? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, but here, here's the thing. It's October. It's at the end of October. So now, you know, it's almost questionable if he's going to be available in for the PFL or should be available for him in the first quarter. So now we're going to wait till the second quarter of 2024. None of that bodes well for how the PFL is managing their big signing. You know what I mean? Especially without an obvious opponent, without an announcement. And and again, once they got back past the PF, the announcement that they signed Nganu, it's not like we've been hit by a flood of media from them. You know, they've been silent, actually, really. So, um, if you know, we're counting on him losing the boxing match, but he's got his big payday, and now he returns to MMA. And that's the basically that what they have to do. The king is back, the heavyweight champion of the. And this is like what I said. Like they'll be weak in that they can't show highlight film or anything like that. But they just in hype and talk, they're getting the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world back in the ring, in, in into his game, and we'll just see who the opponent is. And they promised us something impressive, so we're waiting. We're we're waiting. Now, do you think maybe PFL is going to be able to get some some sort of co-promotion out of this boxing match? They should. They should. I think I think it, at the end of the day, um, the PFL's contract gives them some type of control over Tyson Fury, which is why when they signed him, they stated that they were going to allow the one-off boxing match or something like that for that. So that all had to be talked about, and then the rest of it is there. They would be foolish to not try to – co-promote in some way they're going to be there this is far and away the most eyes that are ever going to be on a pfl guy you know that have ever been on a pfl guy and likely they're not going to get you know like between now and then the, the pfl is going to explode and be a big show so they're, they're flatlined they they, they do, should be doing anything to get their product out there now let me ask you this do you think this is going to open the gate for like a few guys or maybe one guy or 
you know, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz is coming up. I assume there's going to be a release of what Nate's payday is. People are going to see that. People are going to see what Francis made. Fighters are going to see that. How much of an effect do you think this would have on the collective of, of guys who maybe think they have that ability? Nate's a special case because Nate and Jake Paul, I'm not, like, instinctually, I don't know who's the A, a side, <laughs> you know, because Nate is a guy, I don't want to disrespect him and call him the B side because the other guy's a big YouTube star and stuff like that. Are you dying, Todd? <laughs> um, you know, the other guy, he took a loss in his last fight. Um, you know, and I think Nate has that mentality where this is a job, he's coming to do a job that, you know, this fraud has to be shown what's real and what's not. And if we get that Nate Diaz, then that's a pretty special Nate Diaz, Nate, Nate, the package, they bring their own media attention. So I, I wouldn't call them the B side of that fight. Um, I think Jake Paul did a good job in getting, luring them. And yes, he's probably they're probably making good good money because if not, why do it? You know, but I, I don't. I, I there's nobody else on the UFC roster who should be able to look who can look at that and say, um, you know, I can do what Nate Diaz does. You know, even even someone like George Masvidal, you know, owns a win over Nate, BMF champ, has at at the end of his career done a very good job at marketing and things like that and, and, and monetizing for himself. And, and hopefully, you know, now that he's retired, he's walking away with, with a good substantial amount of money in there for, and he's got 50 fights, but Nate and his brother, that combination. And, and then to be honest with you, the whole pot smoking, you know, gangy feel of like or not even gangy but like a mafia feel where it's like they're a brotherhood you know with them and their boys like you know jake shields uh gilbert melendez like the guy david terrell the guys that roll with the diaz's from the early days are still with them you know basically so um i think that had a lot of appeal cult appeal it started as a cult appeal but they've grown it for 10 15 years and they have been very good at that and the weed thing helps them too, you know, breaking out a joint. And then now everybody's got a clip and stuff like that. And, and man, George doesn't have that. So George would be foolish to think that he's going to maneuver. Right now, George is a guy that the UFC put at the top and the guys at the UFC top make that. Nate's the guy that brings his own audience. Not, not I, I see nobody else in the UFC with that. People could tell you, think that they might, but Nate's appeal is is a crossover appeal. It's not just MMA fight. Well, let me ask you about Brandon Moreno. I know we talked a little bit about this off record, but Brandon Moreno, I heard him mention that he was interested in trying to do some boxing because I guess that's what he was. He had been focusing on a lot in his fight. His his boxing looked pretty good against uh, Pantoja, even though he didn't win the fight. Some people thought he did, but apparently, is that a pretty heavy? Focus on it. He feels like he's improving a lot in that area. Do you think someone like him could try? I believe that the lower the weight classes go, especially in boxing, the more it becomes a game of precision and a game of repetition. And you could just see, you know, that the boxing game it's just it's so refined at you know at 135 pounds brandon moreno what does he want to do go out and start out in four round smokers work his way up okay we'll we'll see right around 15 to know there's going to be a test that's too much for him and he'll get run over because what sits at the top of this division is elite guys even if you go back you know, Floyd Mayweather was a lightweight. That's 135 pounds. You know, you got Vasil Lomachenko right there. There's two of the guys that this century could be one and two of the highest skilled guys that we've seen ever. You know, in, in, in the context here. that's a, So one of them would have to say, sure, I'll do a one-off boxing match against this MMA guy 
for the money and let's rah, rah, ride. But he's not going to stand a chance, not against those elite guys. Shakur Stevenson, uh, Devin Haney, these, these are the guys at 135 right now. Teofimo Lopez. It's that, it, it, so I think it had the heavyweight division and the, the heavyweight character sort of covers some holes for Nganu and Tyson. And, and that is that the gap, though cavernous, is not as cavernous as Brandon. Brandon Moreno would make it well protected to be a 15 or 20 and 0 boxing guy. And then they're going to make a mistake in matchmaking or they're going to take too big a step and he's going to get shot down. That's my opinion. As much as he may be training boxing, you're talking about guys, like I said, Floyd Mayweather, his, his parents were, you know, Vasil Lomachenko, his dad's his trainer. This video of him, you know, he took ballet lessons before they went to boxing training so that he would have real precision in his footwork when he was a boy. Brandon Moreno isn't going to be able to catch up to them. You know, in fact, if they sign the fight now and Moreno dedicates himself to just boxing, Lomachenko might learn more and advance his game more than Moreno does from because that, that's what they do. That's what he's been doing his whole life. So I I, I don't like this selling short of boxing. And I, I, I wish the boxing community were, were stronger about it because I do think that it's, it's a game. When you're comparing boxing and MMA, the simplest way I like to say it is you're comparing breakdancing and ballet. Yeah, they're both dancers, you know, but it's so different. That to just for a break dancer to just say, Yeah, I'm gonna go step in and do nutcracker, not gonna happen. You know, and at the same time, you know, you can take Barishnikov, and you know, I'm not sure that he's gonna be able to do an arm spin or you know, some of the real advanced moves that break make breakdancing, you know, something that's lasted and and uh you know, like I, I incredible skill, incredible, but you can't compare it to ballet. And that's what you're doing with this MMA boxing crossover stuff. And it gets even worse because, you know, the guys like you, Todd, who've been around and stuff, we all remember the old days where it's like you'd hear a fighter say, yeah, you know, I used to fight in this little bar and they would call people out of the audience, you know? That's literally what fighting YouTubers is. You're, you're, you're fighting people out of the audience. And that's exactly what Jake Paul is. He's an, a drunk audience member who says, I can do this, and that's what he's walking in. You know, except for in the modern era, I guess it's become compelling, you know, but that's what that is. And it, so, yeah, boxing, those guys are too skilled for Brandon Moreno, I think. Yeah, but when you have a fighter in the UFC, even a guy, Brandon Moreno's stature, he could look at it and say, I don't know if he's ever made a million for a fight. I assume probably not. Maybe, maybe he did. He was a champion, maybe. But, you know, an MMA fighter's looking at it from, okay, I'll never make a million or I'll never make two. Yeah. Maybe I should go do this, even if it's just one fight. Yeah, but uh, like I said, for Brandon Moreno, the case is, is, will one of the top names in boxing do a one-off fight, considering the money, and can they make it hyped enough? You know, and I don't know, does Moreno move the needle like that on the internet? You know, I'm not, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Maybe you could have uh, Moreno and Ryan Garcia, two Mexicans. Yeah, you, I, and Ryan Garcia was exactly who I was trying to remember his name. Ryan Garcia is a, is a nice prototype for this in terms of, you know, maybe he needs a bounce back fight now, and that would entice him, you know, into like, they can make it into the story behind the fights is interesting because it is a challenge there among eight type individuals there that if they're trying to kill each other in these fights and they're trying to, you know, fight to the hundred percent of their potential, they can make pretty compelling fights at some point. Garcia is way too advanced for Brandon Moreno in boxing. It's no, I agree. And, and, but and I so, think it would sell big in Vegas. Or even yeah. Mexico, if they did it there. Ryan's being forced to carry. Ryan's the A side there. 
you know? And Ryan may be looking for a fight where he's the B side because if he can take what the A side gets, you know, I so I, I don't know, but that's the thing. And, and this brings me back to where we were conversing about Ngannou before the contracts was who are the best opponents? So Moreno can't just say, hey, I'm available and I want to do this. Who are we going to fight? What's the best opponent? Ryan Garcia? Okay, Todd started the list for us. That's perfect. Now, you know, let's have that conversation. You know, but Todd, to be honest with you, Ryan Garcia versus Brandon Moreno, maybe they could do it on the undercard of Tyson Fury. But if they think that that's enough to carry one of these promotions that, you know, is trying to get crossover audience and trying to get the attention of casuals and things, I'm not sure that's enough. You know, I'm not sure Garcia Moreno is enough to carry a bill like those, like, you know, Jake Paul's name does, like Tyson Fury's name does. Like Mayweather's I mean, name. <clears throat> I went to the UFC in Dallas where they had, uh, uh, you know, the <clears throat> Amanda Nunez and the first fight that she lost to uh, Juliana Pena. And Brandon was, I think, the co-main. I think him and Kaikar France were the co-main, I think. Mm -hmm. He got a big response in that arena. Huge. Good. You know, in Dallas. Good, but so what I'm saying is Ryan Garcia is popular, too. You know, he, he a lot of those people came to watch the Davis fight. Because of him and D well, Davis, well, but what I'm talking, saying is, I think it would sell. Well, we're talking. Do do if you can. If not, maybe we can look it up for the next podcast. But I, I, if I remember correctly, Ryan Garcia has got more than a million Instagram followers. I don't think Brandon Moreno is close to that. Okay, and and that is a metric that some people use. You know, including the UFC has mentioned it. So, um, more and and again, you got a twenty thousand seat arena. You know, and in Dallas, you have an ethnic slant to it where there's going to be a lot of Latinos. And Latinos will root for Latinos. It may not be him. What's that? Moreno's got 2.2. 2.2 million? million? Yeah. Okay, check Ryan Garcia. Oh, then sure. maybe I am underestimating him. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good that we can look this stuff up, man. It's you know, great that you can. I wasn't too. looking it up as much before. Let's take a look. Okay. Yeah. 10.3. 10. Okay. So there, there what that's what I suspected is that we would see a big difference and that Ryan Garcia was the bigger star, quote unquote. So the numbers backed me up. I was off on my numbers. I apologize for that. But I was Garcia had a reputation beyond boxing for that, you know, and he does there've been a few silly, catchy um you know, memes that, you know, he's monetizing off his YouTube channels, you know, so um, he'll be the A-side, he'll be the A-side. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure Brandon Moreno versus Garcia is enough to headline one of these bills. And then you put a couple of rappers on the undercard and, you know, MMA guys retired or whatever. I, I, you know, I, I don't think that this is a rinse and repeat that way. I think it, it does take two special, like, you know, fighters meeting. And, you know, not that these guys, that Moreno's not special or Ryan's not special and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's a, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to quantify exactly that, but you can't just roll these cards out every three months and just pick a guy and pick a guy and pick a guy because they will get smaller and smaller as, as the timeline goes through, you know? And um, if Moreno wants to do a one-off, then you know I, I think he'll do a, he could do a one-off and then be a, an undercard, and then you know it's up in the air about the pay. Yeah, if I was going to match him, I wouldn't want to match him against a guy who has a lot of knockouts. You know, Garcia doesn't have a lot of fights in general, right? But he's more, like, he's more known for what he does on the internet, I would say. Gar Garcia <laughs> is known for uh, a body shot. And um, he's knocked out a lot of people with that. And Garcia, like I said, is a guy who understands the marketing end of things and his way ahead there. Um, he would be a good opponent to attract attention for Moreno. Um, 
Garcia might consider it because he does need a bounce back fight. He just lost his last fight, a world championship fight. Um, you know, Gravante Davis, you know, kind of put an end to his undefeated streak. And um, so now he is probably considering a, a, the next opponent. Maybe if you can monetize against Moreno, he'll take yeah. it as a, as a match that, okay, I'm not too worried about. He's not going to lose that in the boxing match. He did have a massive amateur career, though. He has over 200 amateur fights. Garcia? Yeah. 215 a, and 15. So he's very I mean, He just lost to Gravante Davis. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Davis is... is I wouldn't want to put Davis in there, Moreno, because it's too much power. I don't want to debut my guy against a knockout artist. You know it, what I mean? Unfortunately, it's going to take something like that to attract enough attention. It's the, the Here's the thing is, do you think um, Moreno is going to come over and do a series of these or try to do a boxing career kind of thing and switch over and, you know, do 10 or 12 fights and, and you know, be building something up? I, I don't know how that goes for him. But if, he, if he's going to just come over and do one, try to grab that money, yeah, Gervonta or, you know, one of the elite guys, would be, you know, Vasil Lomachenko maybe won't. Vasil Lomachenko knocked him out. Yeah. You know, also, but it won't be as, as painful. I don't know. <laughs> Lomachenko would probably make him look bad just because of how he fights, too. Lomachenko would fly around yeah, him and, and make him look bad. But Lomachenko at the same time is also a guy who at times, I don't remember exactly which one, but there was one of his major title fights. Maybe he was hurt a little bit, but he took like the first six rounds off. He didn't do anything. You know, he gave the match away and then, you know, kind of closed the distance a little bit at the end and stuff. But there were, so it, he's a slower starter. He's older now. Um, I just don't know if Lomachenko moves the needle in terms of like crossover pay-per-view people. You know, where, where, Boxing purists may want to watch it. You know, fight fans may want to watch it. But the idea behind these types of mixed fights is to reach an audience beyond that. Garcia is the right opponent for that because I think he brings some of that in, you know, naturally. But the other, the, it, it, to me, it sounds like like more of like a, a, a match for the purists. Like, you know, the MMA guys will be rooting for Moreno. The boxing guys will be rooting for their boxing person. And... You know, that is, that's cool. That's cool, but that's not a crossover. You know, you can't, like I said, this is, Ngannou Fury, it's now six years since Floyd Connor. So it took six years for something to come up to approach that. Because if you think, you know, Anderson Silva against Julio Cesar Chavez did it, it didn't. Anderson got to put some pay, some money away, and that's good for him. But it's not like people are still talking about that fight today. I'm trying to see if we can use our influence to make a groundswell for a fight. Hey, <laughs> you know, maybe you people know. hear Moreno versus Garcia on our show, and hey, takes... you know, I'm I'm okay with that. I I've been known to dabble in matchmaking, so you know, um, I, I if Moreno was going to do that, I think Ryan Garcia would be the natural best opponent. Um, you know, you could even take that a step further. Gravanta stopped him, I think. You know, Gravanta, uh, Haney, you know, there's a level above maybe Garcia that he's still yet to achieve. So I think, you know, that is, I don't think that'll manifest itself because Garcia is too far ahead of Moreno for boxing. But at least it's not the top, 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 top shelf right now. Now there's somebody else sitting out there who's not fighting who was scheduled to fight Michael Chandler. And I'm sure he's going to see that Ngannou's getting this fight. Do you think he's going to try to get another boxing match? I heard him say some things about Canelo in an interview. You know, I could fight Canelo, blah, blah, blah. Do you think he's going to... I mean, why fight Michael Chandler when maybe he could just go do another boxing match against somebody? Or would the UFC prevent him from doing it? I, I, think, I think that Connor is, at this point, um, a risk, an X factor. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they call it FU money because you don't have, you can tell anybody FU, you've got enough money to live the rest of your life. But I think, I think he's taking advantage of that 
in in some ways or use or now that he's achieved that it's definitely affected his psychology we've talked in a previous podcast i, I urge people to go look at it um but i do think his substance abuse you know from alcohol to possibly cocaine and you know possibly steroids and that type of thing is be is a factor um you know not signing up for usada like i said it, it, realize what happened he they sign up for the tv show before anything airs or anything like that they come out usada says he's not in the pool if he's not in the pool you know what can we do and he you know like you usada i'll do what i want but never join the pool at that moment we as a collective mma fan base or whatever you want to call it you know viewership or whatever knew that Connor wasn't going to fight it, because the logistics just are not there anymore. But we went through the whole facade of the TV show and who knows what behind the scenes moves Connor may have been trying to make to, to do this, or maybe he didn't, maybe he just, you know, Hey, sure. I'll spend five weeks in Vegas. Like I said, you know, a guy with his money and his things probably likes Vegas. So sure, you'll shoot there, but no intent to fight. Because that's the thing is, is like, I, what I don't see here is like, the, well, the fight's not happening. Where's the panic in Connor? Where's the like, wait, why? Did, why did, I'm ready to fight. Where, you know, what can I do? With it? You see none of that. Part of the reason for that is probably because of Mayweather and Connor making him $100 million. Every single fight since then, he takes a pay cut. Because he's already been to the pinnacle. The UFC was never going to pay him that. So very next fight, it was like he made 30. And he's probably going to get more towards the end of like maybe making 25 for this one. But if he fights Canelo, what? You think he makes 50? But I think, like I said, Yeah, you know, Canelo's one of those guys at this point that, you know, he's the A-side. And, you know, to say that on McGregor, you know, McGregor might have been the A-side if he had struck in while the iron was hot back, you know, a few years ago. But he's been inactive. He's been, you know, quite frankly, a buffoon in public. You know, every time he's in public, it's you, you, you run the risk of him slapping old men or, you know, having an incident with women or, you know, just being drunk and whatever. So, yeah, he'll walk into that as the B-side and hope, hopefully we'll see. You know, here's the, here's the interesting part is, I know Ngannou's guaranteed $20 million, but if he makes just $20 million for this, it's 20% of what McGregor got. So it, it wasn't even in the ballpark. So the, the, that's the... Other thing is, that once Connor and and McGregor happen, it may be twenty years before you can get to something that will equal that in size. I think Tyson and Ngannou, properly managed because of the heavyweight angle, should be aiming for that, but they probably won't get there. You know, and so let's say they get the three million pay per view buys or whatever you know, the monetization is. Is how does Ngannou make more than just a twenty million flat guarantee? What is his capabilities of making? Because McGregor wasn't guaranteed $100 million. It blew up to that because it got to be the entity it was, right? And Mayweather, as the A-side pushing it, you know, probably banked three times that, right? So that's the interesting part is, to me, Ngano should be looking, should be trying to get the 40 $50 million on this fight. You know, if not the 100 you know. But $20 million would be... Something where, yeah, you got to take it. I mean, 20 million is 20 million. That's what you get there. But other people, you you should realize, and that should be what you're, that should be the number one sign to what you're asking about is, you know, can anybody just jump over and do it? No, no, you can't. You, you know, they, since it was done by Mayweather and Connor, everybody else has made less money. Nobody's approached it. We've had that effect happen in many sports, you know. Um, you know, go back to the Jack Dempsey days where he was the first, you know,
you know, the, the Jack Dempsey days with radio broadcasts and things, and he got himself, you know, to a million dollar, you know, gates on his fights and things. But then the next wave of champions, it wasn't until Joe Lewis that anybody even moved the radar because he had gotten so big. So the McGregor thing is, is a flag with Mayweather. You know, that's the point that everybody wants to make. But honestly, looking at it, nobody's come close. And I don't think Canelo may, may, uh, McGregor would come close either. I don't think I, Canelo um, commands a lot of audience, but I'm not sure. You know, hopefully the thing I like about Canelo is that he does have a mean streak. And I don't th I think he's got a no-nonsense streak, too. And that he's not going to put up with too much. And if he wants to hurt Connor, I'm all for that. I think Conor right now needs an ass kicking like Canelo could give him in a boxing match. And uh, that might help to straighten him out a little bit. But yeah, that, that, that's what you got to look at is, is he's not satisfied anymore making 10, $20 million, you know? So it's like, why it doesn't move his knee. Yeah. So the fights just don't happen. Yeah. I think also, you know, when he's sitting at home and his mansion or wherever he lives, you know, in Ireland or whatever, <clears throat> I think, when he watches this fight, you know, um, Fury and Ngannou and Riyadh, and, he, you know, I'd assume it's going to be kind of a big spectacle, I would think. And he's going to be watching that saying, I don't need to come back to the UFC. Why would I do this? You know, I'm I'm a prize fighter. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be against Canelo or one of these guys. I'm not going to come yeah, back Yeah, he wants to fight. do a big, and, and that's going to be interesting and delicate because, um, I'm sure he's got a contract that him in the UFC, you know, hammered out. I, I'm sure he's got a few things in there that other people don't. But, you know, maybe after Connor and Mayweather, there is some type of clause where he's allowed to do another one-off. You know, if the UFC got was to do the same thing they did with Mayweather, they'd partner in there and they'd grab a bite of it. And maybe that's the way for McGregor to go out from all of this. So, but I did, like I said, at this point with all the uh, signs that he's been sending himself out for the last couple of years, um, you, in order to set up a fight like that, you got to have two reliable guys. Like Connor wanted the Mayweather fight the first time. There was no mm -hmm. doubt. It was, that was, you had his full 100% attention. Now, will that be the case? Because if not, then, you know, an investor may think it's not worth doing. And McGregor, to me, is at that level. It's like, how it was, so he's not going to fight Chandler in December like planned or whatever. So when's he going to fight Chandler? What, what, no one's working on that? So who is he going to fight? No one's working on that either? You know, Derek Galana said something to me that's interesting. I want to run this by you. He was saying that he thinks part of the reason McGregor's not fighting champ. Obviously, the season was filmed earlier. I don't know how much earlier, but he thinks it could have been that as McGregor's losing all these fights in the Ultimate Fighter, all of them mm -hmm. so far, that he just said, "All right," kind of like a in spite of Chandler to just say, "You know, I lost all these fights, so I'm not going to fight you anymore." Kind of like punishment. You did, because of his ego, you know what I mean. Exactly. And you're dealing with a guy, look, you know, there's a fine line of when an ego is, is can, you know, is bad. And, you know, I think he's crossed it. So you don't know what you're reacting to. Like I said, I think the, the, the alcohol and the things like that, who knows what else in Vegas and things, um, you know, girls can be a problem like that too, you know, but I don't think that they got the full McGregor dedicated to fighting. Like he, you know, at this point, He's like, yeah, I'm a fighter. I came from nothing. I'm a fighter at heart. And that's very much his, his persona to present himself. But what he's doing now is he's counting on once the fight is signed, that motivation to kick in and put the two months in. He's counting on that muscle memory to come bring that back. And he's failing at doing that. He hasn't been able to actually do that. Um. So, yeah, I think psycho psychologically, we don't know what, you know, what you're going to get. So if he signs for the big fight with Alvarez, with Saul Alvarez, 
Yeah, then maybe he spends two months on lockdown, comes in in good shape, and gives a good showing, and his brand takes another bump. But, you know, I, I think his prospects were much better going into the Mayweather fight when he had nothing to lose. Now, you know, he's already, you know, now he has something to lose. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think Canelo be, would be motivated to kill him. Um, yeah, I think, I think at some point... <laughs> He'll 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 annoy Canelo in some way, and you know Canelo will want to hurt him, yeah. and you know we'll see if, if McGregor can somehow avoid that, and McGregor and you know the other guy is trying to, and it's visible, and they give us some type of great show, then who knows, you know? And when you're in a fight, he's you know no doubt McGregor will have instinct, you know, and and he's been there before, big fight and all, he's not worried, he's not going to be intimidated by by. You know, Canelo, you know, start with that. So, yeah, how much? But I have no expectation of seeing a major show anymore. Not from McGregor. All I see is train wrecks. All right. Now, one last thing. <clears throat> it looks like Ronda Rousey has kind of poured cold water on her coming back. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Again, then uh, maybe we could tie in some of the things that we talked about here. So, the UFC and the WWE are now the same company. And we're a few years away, maybe 18 months, maybe a year, but 18 months for that merger to really be like, so that, you know, like, for example, I think, you know, both of them have creative departments. At some point, they're going to take the best of the best and say, okay, one creative department, even if it's different department, you know, whatever. Right? There's a lot of duplication there. Once they work through some of that, I think we'll see something. And I've mentioned this on the podcast here before. Rousey at 36 as a woman at 36 past her prime, especially in WWE where she has to sort of concentrate on being strong, keeping the body, you know, being and, and, and the endurance that it takes. I don't think they put her on the five fights a week schedule for long, but still, you know, the training and things necessary for that, and even the timing and things is not conducive to MMA. For her to think she's going to just walk back in and take on, you know, women that have progressed, you know. She, uh, so where does it, all this come in? I think that this can be done in such a way that Ronda will fight a UFC-style fight on a WWE show. Um outcome maybe even pre uh not determined in some way shape or form i don't know you know what it need but but what we'll, what you will see there is that if they want to portray ronda now in wwe they can actually show you her beating up misha tate you know arm barring you know everybody um you know uh she had a run there where she was finishing everybody in very short order you know, the highlight clips that you can produce that cross over there and appeal, I think that they can make a version of a, like I said, with Rousey, they've already got an MMA fighter as her tag team partner and on the roster. And the expectation there is that they will fight. And that could very well be, she's 40, is Shayna Baslin. So Shayna's a little older. And and again, so less likely. So Shayna, at this point, I don't think she wants to. You know, she's done so well for herself now. I don't think she's looking back and, and wants to go back to the UFC in that type of grind anymore. But I think that right there, you can credibly do some type of UFC crossover simulation. Even if they go full, you know, like I said, they're both older athletes and stuff. You can't put them in with the prime, you know, prime time people. And then with the highlight packages and things, you'll see a different level. This is what Nganu cannot do with Fury, is you'll never see Nganu knocking out people in the UFC in the Fury highlight package. If, if, if it happens, then the UFC is taking a bite. Then you already mm -hmm. got paid. Yeah. Yeah, and that's huge. I, I don't think, like, when you mention this stuff, maybe you could educate people on just how important that is. Sounds like it's not maybe to the average person, but having that stuff in there, could you kind of elaborate on just how important that is? Uh, I'm sorry, having what stuff in there? 
the highlight packages and whatnot. Oh. You know, you know. Here's the thing: is is the uh, that's what the UFC has excelled at. Once Zufa took over, they understood we got to be in everybody's face. That means you know a press conference every week or a press conference twice a week. You know, Dana talking usually. You know, from when he was young and with energy and cared, it was always Dana. And Dana was happy to take on that energy. You see nobody who, who matches that. And anytime you shut off that flow of information, like the PFL has done, the PFL, after they announced Nganu, had everybody on their side waiting. What more do you have for us? And they delivered precisely nothing. So that's the difference. Yeah, I think you've got to be ready. You got to, you know, and as an organization, you know, you got to be ready to follow up. So Ronda and Shayna won their WrestleMania tag team match now, th this last WrestleMania, which is the 80,000 people in the live audience and a huge amount of people on, on the WWE network. And uh, now at some point throughout this year, you'll see them break up, you know, some type of double cross or some type of like lack of like – you know, one of them wants the, the the spotlight, or they lose trust or something, and they'll fight at the next WrestleMania. Amanda Nunez just retired, and Amanda, you know, Brazil in general. I don't think the Brazilians all are enamored with WWE style fighting. That they, there's more of a reality to it. But I think Amanda retired. Now the WWE creative people called her and said, "Look." We have your highlight packages. We have you destroying Ronda. Ronda just beat Shayna. We need somebody to come. And, and Ronda's, at, you know, again, just being portrayed as the Brock Lesnar on the women's side. And we need somebody to come in and, and, and stop the show for us. Now, Amanda, you cannot count on her to come in and be a superstar on the mic, which in WWE you have to be able to do, right? But again, unprecedented, they will be able to show all the clips of Amanda's destructions, including those of Rhonda. And now I'm coming for you. I'm not going to say another word. Talk to my manager. And they put, you know, some good mouthpiece on there for her. It, it, it may not happen, but the possibilities are there now. That's the kind of thing. And, and, and the bottom line is, is Rhonda at the top of a WWE WrestleMania, you know, Everybody will be monetizing there, and it, they'll make it seem uh, like a UFC match, even if you know it has a predetermined outcome. And that's one of those things where the UFC will want to make sure that there's not too much of it or whatever. But this is the, the this is the world we live in now. It's the same company. Well, you know, I think something interesting to end on. Uh... Now, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about this project you're working on in Costa Rica with the with the dog rescue and some other things you're doing with the MMA collector. Well, uh, we're chugging away at interviews here. I got an interview in about two hours with uh, John Donahue, the uh, Australian uh, black belt who refed a lot of the early John Peretti shows and was a black belt under Gene LaBelle and things. So we're delving into some MMA history there, which is, you know, something I enjoy doing. And uh, the Wet Nose Project is uh, this woman, Ashley uh, Botha. She's a South African lady, lives here in Costa Rica. And, uh, you know, she's got 75 animals she's rescued from the street. Um, cats and dogs, mate, basically. But, uh, um, so I've been working with them. I've been learning, you know, things on training animals and, you know, going out at night and feeding animals. And I, we had to go out and there was a cat that was run over that, you know, get it off the street. You know, it's like, try not to act like a third world country, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like just showing dignity and respect. It's kind of, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a better person trying to help the animals. They're very grateful. And I, I have three dogs that are from Ashley's um, rescue and, you know, 
hey, they give me a lot of uh, comfort. Uh, they're they're good animals, and and uh, I'm in tune with them. So, it's, it's uh, I'm heading in that direction. I'm joined working with them, and we'll see. We'll see if I I'm going back to train those to help train those pit bulls. There's an official trainer that's going to be with them, and see if I can pick up some some knowledge there. Getting pretty good though. I'm getting pretty good. Yeah, and uh, you'll hear us talk a little bit more about this in the future. So that's kind of why I wanted to, you know, bring it up. This is something that we'll, uh, you know, try to help with the show in the future, and we'll we'll get into that at a, another time. But uh, yeah, did you have you anything know, else you wanted? To... They, 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 she lives off the of donate. You know, she has a business that you know has her income, and you know, her the shelter is her house that she has a mortgage on. You know, it's a labor of love to you know have. 75 animals that you got to feed and, and, you know, take out and clean every day and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and she does it all on donations, you know, um, I've been helping her with, you know, the idea of putting together enough videos and things like that, that you can become a presence and, and maybe that will alleviate some, you know, I, I think you gotta have people, you gotta have something to show people. You're going to ask them for money. And, I think at some point, you know, donations would be a, a big help. Like, for example, these pit bulls we rescued three years ago. And um, they're at the point where, um, you know, they still don't react to other animals and stuff. So now if uh, the fundraiser that's currently going on gets completed, the formal training will go into that. And then they hopefully become adoptable dogs. You know, and that's the thing is, is she needs to get some animals adopted and in order to rescue more. And it's a vicious cycle, you know, and then there's the ones you lose and things. So, um, you know, if anybody can help uh, even sharing and, and just getting the word out there is great. Yeah, it's kind of like kids, you know, to get taken from the home. You got to get some of them adopted so you can bring in more, you know. You know, it's the kid, kids, <laughs> I, I don't want to make, you know, be the problems with kids need people dedicated to that more than this, but this, yeah. the situation worldwide for dogs and animal lovers and things like that is, is very bad. The bottom line is, is economies aren't doing great everywhere. And, you know, some people struggling just are letting their dogs out and, you know, you could just spend a little bit of time on the internet and see, you know, lots of places trying to get dogs adopted. And, you know, if they're not a cute little puppy right away, then the chances go way down that they're going to be adopted. You know, so now you rescue a two-year-old dog, put a year into medical and things like that, and and you got to find somebody who wants a three-year-old dog, or you know maybe they they fall in love. But people aren't enough. You know, I love my three dogs. I can tell you they're three very different personalities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but people don't get to, that close to them before adopting them. You know, you really do have to make it some type of connection i think so it's interesting i've got it's the most satisfying work i've ever done really so you know take it for, take it for that it's pleasant well miguel i'm uh as always i appreciate your time and uh looking forward to i bet that guy's gonna have some interesting stories <laughs> john Freddy. uh anyone who's worked around john Freddy's probably gonna have some funny yeah, yeah, about. I'm hoping, you know, I knew John too because uh, we were judges with Abu Dhabi together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me and him go way back kind of thing. He was, you know, he he was, me and him were sitting next to each other judging Hoyler's lost Eddie Bravo. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping he has some stories and he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and it should be good. And, and, and the thing is, is he's a, a window to the Gene LaBelle legend. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that uh, you know, we can bring about a little bit of history there and, and get get some knowledge on Gene, who kind of, you know, we got an old version. Like obviously he was, you know, in his fighting peak in the fifties and sixties or whatever. But and um, I think he didn't care if he played the clown and just joked around with people and stuff like that. And I and I think that that hurt him his his legit reputation because people look at like you know him announcing on that WFF event that he did and think less of him and you know i don't think that's the case so i'm hoping to get to the bottom of this <laughs> well uh as always you know appreciate your time and anybody who supports the show uh 
we we appreciate you viewing it and uh, feel free to share it with some other people uh, check out mma collector 74 which is where miguel does stuff on youtube where you're going to see this interview that we were just talking about mma collector 74 and yeah uh, and we'll, they debut <laughs> we put up a new interview every wednesday and they got cool collector items too for people that you know like memorabilia and uh yeah we we have a show on that it's on uh at this point ed uh the, my partner there is, you know, uh, on seasonal work and really busy. So we're going to wait for him to come back and just hold the fort with um, with the interviews. So mm -hmm. something out there for everybody. So as always, appreciate everybody taking time to check out these episodes or share it with some people if you like it and let other people know about it. And until next time, appreciate it. Take care.